Well, what's good? Hopefully this week has been good for you. Uh, we're in week three of a four-week series called Pivot, Changing How We View God. And uh, <laughs> last couple of weeks I've shared the story, and it's an embarrassing story. Uh, I was playing basketball, was dribbling down the court. I stopped. I started dribbling again. Whistle blew, double dribble, ball was turned over to the other team. Could not believe it. And I'm thinking, man, what did I do wrong? And the next day, they taught me about the pivot foot. And the pivot foot is a foot that you have anchored to the ground. And you're able to move. You're able to pass. You're able to shoot with that foot anchored to the ground. The pivot, it means the central or most important person or thing. And in this case, it's your foot. It's your pivot foot. It gives you the freedom to do things. We can translate that to faith. That you and I, our relationship with God ought to be our pivot. That God should be our pivot. And he provides us the freedom to live a life like Jesus. And so the first week we, we answered the question, can I trust God? And we learned who God is. And for some of us, we believed in a version of God that just wasn't in the Bible. And then this past week, we answered the question, what does God want for me? Notice, not from me, but for me. And we learned that we'll enjoy life because we enjoy God. So today, we'll see how your relationship, how my relationship with God may be more personal to Jesus than to you. It may be more personal to Jesus than to me. So I'll say that again. We'll see how your relationship with God may be more personal to Jesus than to you. Uh, when something is personal to us, it just seems to matter more, right? There's, uh, this is true in every area of our life. Personal matters get more attention. Uh, we, we, <laughs> these things get our focus. They get our emotions. Uh, they get our thoughts. And we're just so focused on these personal matters. Sometimes the only thing that we can think about, uh, for, for some of us, um, it's, it's something we get passionate about. And right now, I want something more than anything else. That is a finished building, uh, but it's going to take some time. And we, we, you know, there's some things that have been unfair and we won't whine about it. We won't complain about it. But here's what I've learned that, man, my focus, my attention gets to the things that is personal to me. It's not as personal to the engineer. It's not as personal to the architect. It's not as personal to the county as it is to us. I mean, that can drive you crazy, right? I mean, have you ever found yourself frustrated and you're pouring your heart out to someone, you're pouring your soul out to someone, and they're like, nah. Or they're on their phone, and they're like, hey, what did you say? That Man, that's so frustrating, right? Because personal matters just matter more. I mean, it's frustrating when people aren't as empathetic to what matters to you. You know, neuroscientists in the middle of the 1900s, they discovered something called the reticular activating system, the RAS. Now, listen, this is outside of my swim lane. I know we have Dr. Hartley on the other side of the screen. He'll probably know about this. And some of you guys who are a lot smarter than me would probably know, but give me, just bear with me. I was going to read something. So essentially this RAS, the reticular activating system, is part of our brain that filters the thousands upon thousands of bits of information that we get every single hour. Now, it decides what we need to pay attention to and what we need to ignore. So if we paid attention to every bit of information that came, I mean, we wouldn't have the energy. We would not have the energy to survive. It would kill us. So the RAS actually filters, what do I need to let through and what do I need to ignore? What do I need to push away? 
Now, the RAS has one simple question, and it operates like this. Does it matter to me? Does it matter to me? Okay, so I brought this little little truck. And uh, yeah, I, I, I washed it with a baby wipe, so it's a little, little shiny in some areas. And then, uh, oops, sorry, a little bit of stuffing from the stuffed animal we ran over. But you say, you say you go to a dealership, and you go in front of the, uh, the, the sales guy, and you're like, look, this truck is amazing. This truck is so shiny. Like, I want to have it. And so you work your deal out. You fight for it. You get it. You drive off a lot. And what happens? What happens? Over the next seven days, what do you notice? Everyone else is driving a white pickup truck. <laughs> and you're thinking, man, did everyone buy that same white pickup truck over the weekend? No, they didn't. See, see what it is is that's your RAS working. It begins, this white truck matters to you now. And so then you begin to notice it everywhere you go. See, when we're in, when we're checked in, we're in. And when it doesn't apply to us, man, we check out. Because before then, how many times did you notice that white truck? Hardly ever, right? See, I believe this can translate to our faith. Either we're in or we've checked out. Either we personalized our faith or our faith has perished. See, it seems like those who've checked out have checked out because their faith has not been personalized. They have not personalized their relationship with God. I know some of us, man, we grew up in church. and we, we went because that was expected of us. Like mom and dad wanted us to go, and so we went. Others of us who are adults, and we've been adulting, and we've been in, in church, and we've gone because people rely on us to show up. But I know, I, listen, I know pastors who have not made this personal, and they, they've denounced the faith, they've walked away from faith, because it was never personal to them. So today, we'll see how your relationship with God may be more personal to Jesus than to you. Like As a church, we believe that Jesus walked this earth as a real person. We believe in what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said about him. One, he raised people. He healed people. And then he also raised people from the dead. The other thing that is so, so special about Jesus is the fact that he interacted with people that were so unlike him. And they were personal to him. He had personal relationships with people like you and like me, regular people. He also invited you and me into this personal relationship with God through him. So we're going to jump into John 10. But before we do, before we step into that, let's kind of look at the context of John 9. So Jesus meets this young blind man. Blind man. He restores his sight. The religious leaders go crazy, man. They go bonkers. There's no way, there's no reason for Jesus to heal someone on the sabbath that's the day of rest you don't do anything you just chill so eventually they begin investigating they want to know the details so they can put a case together against jesus and so eventually they just go to jesus and like jesus you ought not to be doing stuff like this and he calls them blind and they're like, wait a second, you're calling us blind? And they begin to buck at Jesus a little bit. And he's like, look, I'm not really calling you physically blind. I'm just saying that you don't see this miracle the right way. You don't see me the right way. So notice what Jesus says in John 10. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate. Now you might be thinking, and like the Pharisees, um, we're talking about blindness, but that you're bringing up sheep. 
But here's what Jesus is doing. He's transitioning the conversation into a story for them to understand what he's talking about, why he called them blind. He's explaining why he came and what a relationship with God through him looks like. Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Hey, do you guys remember back in middle school and high school when you snuck out of the house, maybe you used the bedroom window or the bathroom window? I love how Jesus makes things so under it makes so things so simple. He's using a story that everyone's going to understand. See, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. There was a personal relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. He had personal responsibility. He knew every sheep by name. That's important. We're going to get back to that. So Jesus continues, when he was brought, uh, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. So he gets the sheep out of the pen. He leads. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. So they're completely dumbfounded, the religious leaders, and they're kind of figuring out, what does this have to do with us being blind? And so Jesus is going to be super clear. Notice what he says. Truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So what would happen is the shepherd would put the sheep into the pen at night. And then he, what he would do, he would lay down in front of the gate to protect anything from coming in, protect the sheep from anything coming in, and also protect the sheep from going out and being on their own. He was protecting them. He was guarding them. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me is going to be saved. A thief, he continues, someone who climbs in some other way, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. See, Jesus knows that the Pharisees, they're struggling to understand because they think he's evil. And he's trying to help them understand, man, I'm, I'm not the one doing evil. I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. That's why I healed on the Sabbath. Notice, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus is like, I'm not the thief. I'm the good guy, and I'm inviting people to trust me. And as a result of trusting me, your life is going to be full. Your life is going to be overflowing. Now, it's important to understand your life is not going to be magical. It's not going to be all about unicorns and cupcakes. It's going to be difficult, but he gives us the joy. He gives us the strength to navigate those challenges. So Jesus puts it into context. He says, not only am I the gate, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's only through the sheep-shepherd relationship that someone experiences a full and overflowing life that only Jesus can offer. And then Jesus talks about the antithesis of the good shepherd. That's the hired hand. He says the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, he leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens. Why? Because he's the hired hand. He's there for a paycheck. He has no investment in this he is only there for money he doesn't care about the sheep let me ask you something how many 
How many times have you been in the situation when you're looking around and you're like, things haven't worked out the way they, you expected them to work out. And you look around like, God, where are you? Why did you leave me by my own, by, my, by myself? Why did you leave me on my own? Because we see a wolf coming. Maybe it's financial, or spiritual, emotional. Maybe it's a relational wolf that you see and it's approaching you and you're looking around and you're like, I can't find my shepherd. And we begin to say, our God, I'm on my own. Why? For most of us, that hasn't been personal. Our relationship with God has not been personal. It's been about me, me, me. When we have doubts, Jesus says to us, maybe you are his sheep and you just, maybe you're behind another sheep it's a big body and you just can't see what's going on and your shepherd's there. Jesus wants you to know this. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is like, I have this relationship with God that's so personal. I call him Father and I'm inviting you into the same relationship and the only way you can have that relationship with God as Father is through me. And little did they know that he was going to lay down their life, his life for them and also for the world. See, Jesus is saying, not only did I come to save many people, but I came to save you and your world. See, Jesus knows your name. He cares deeply about you. So remember this, this relationship with God through Jesus. It's not magical. It's not going to take away all your problems. Everything will not go smoothly. And without any issue. But as we follow him, don't miss this. He shapes our thoughts. He shapes our perspectives. He shapes our decisions. And he shapes our affections. And as a result, we live a changed life. And Jesus didn't come to punch your ticket to heaven. He, that's not the only thing that he did. No, there's so much more than that. I think for some of us, the reason why we left church in the first place, and someone invited us to watch this, and a little, little, little uh, bojangles afterwards. And you've walked away from church because someone got into heaven, but yet they treated people so poorly, and they treated you so poorly that you walked away from faith. I want you to know that Jesus is willing to walk with you. He's willing to lead you in the same way that a shepherd would lead a sheep personally. Throughout Scripture, God calls us his kids as we believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. And it doesn't get any more personal than that. It's Chris, it's Tim, it's Joan, it's Lori, it's Scott, it's Allison, it's, it's who, whoever we have in our church. It, it's, it's you. He knows you by name and he calls you by name and he leads us out. He goes ahead of us. You don't have to blaze the trail. Jesus is going to lead you. And he led by example, by dying in your place and dying in my place. That's the shepherd we follow. In order for us to experience the personal nature of this relationship, man, we got to get sheepish. We got to resemble a sheep. What does that mean? We just, we follow. We, we take him up on his invitation to follow. And we just say, all right, God, I'm following you. Jesus wants us to follow him. And that's what we do. Guys, some of us, man, we're following people who care nothing about us. You guys know that, right? Like, you guys are following that sports team. Listen, when they lose, they're not thinking about you. I, I know that's crushing to you. I know some of you super fans out there, please understand this. They, he, they are not thinking about you. Russell Westbrook, when, he, when they lost in the playoffs for the, 
uh, for the Washington, D.C. team. Listen, they didn't think about you. You might be devastated. You might be distraught. They have not given you a blank. Never thought. Why are we giving so much to a relationship like that when Jesus says, I want you to follow me. I'm going to know you personally. I'm all in for you. I'm all in for you. Last week, we talked at length about how to live. And this week, hopefully, we understood why. He wants you to live a life following Jesus. So two questions. And then another set of two questions. One, is your relationship with God more personal to Jesus than to you? Has Jesus given more to the relationship you have with God than you? What is keeping you from being sheepish? Why are you holding back? Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to open up your word, and thank you so much for John recording what we wrote, uh, what we read. Uh, God, I, I just ask that we understand that you want a personal relationship with us. God, help us to have the courage just to open up and just be vulnerable and just follow. So God, I'm asking right now for those who have yet to have a relationship with you that they would be accepting that Jesus died on the cross for them, rose from the dead to defeat sin and death, the power of sin and death over our lives, that he is worth following. And then for those who are sheep, I ask that they would be assured of any doubt that they have that you're in charge that they don't have to blaze the trail, they don't have to be leading from the front, but God, all they have to do is just follow Jesus. So Father, please give them the, the assurance of any doubt that they may have. Father, help us to give more to our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.